how can public health, you know, encourage patients or anyone actually, all of us, because we're all patients in wait in the waiting room, um, to really yeah. be empowered to question, right, what's given to us. Yeah. And I believe that that physicians, healthcare facilities, and researchers are all, are trying to get the FDA to streamline the process for this compassionate use. It took me a couple of months, which I think is really, really fast. But if I was on my deathbed, uh, the couple of months would be too late. Right now, you're listening to the voice of John Harverty, a chef, a family man, a patient who was battling a stubborn bacteria infection in his leg for over 10 years. He wasn't able to walk without assistance and haven't been able to put both feet on the ground for over 10 years. Antibiotic resistance is now a public health crisis because we have these smart bacteria bug that can change and develop the ability to defeat the drugs that were designed to kill them. Doctors at Mayo Clinic were about to amputate John's leg as the last resort until a virus saved his life. If you believe in miracles and want to believe in miracles, then this episode is for you and your loved ones who may be struggling to find success with conventional Western medicine and are considering to explore experimental therapy. Hello, friends. This is the What is Public Health podcast with your host, Dr. Ki Chan. What is public health? To me, public health is the invisible force that keeps you healthy every day, and I bet you didn't even know it. This podcast is your source of the latest trend in public health. This is John's story of hope, faith, and a virus called phage therapy that saved his leg from being cut off by doctors. I'm very happy to share. Thank you. Um, thank you for inviting me. For sh- I mean, I don't often get the chance to, to really say what I want to say. And, and this format is just great. And I, I do appreciate your invitation. But I think what's, what's more interesting is that I've, I have a unique situation where I, I had an infection in my right leg for 11 years, 11 years ongoing. And it all started in 2008 when I was uh, just completing uh, knee replacement surgery. A couple of weeks after that, I had to go to an appointment. And unfortunately, it was December in Minnesota. <laughs> so I had to gas up my car. When I got out of my car, I planted my left foot to stand up and it slipped. And my left leg went underneath my car and my right leg stayed between my steering wheel and my seat and twisted open, wrenched open the incision which is never a great thing. You never want to expose the inside to the outside with just enough bacteria on your skin to cause havoc. I mean, anything in the world can get in to an open incision and it did. Um, I had a series of five different bacterial strains of infection over 11 years with 17 surgeries, uh, taking my hardware in and out. Um, I had necrotic bone structure, but they had to do implants in my femur and my tib fib. And it's been nothing but trouble for so you know, since nine, you know, since two thousand eight. So wow, it's been a long time. Yeah, that sounds very painful. Oh, there was a lot of. I mean, along with the surgeries, the rehab, the pain, um, the opiate addiction that goes with the painkillers. I mean, there's a lot of elements in eleven years of care, of constant care, and for the last. Four years, I haven't really been able to work because I was just waiting for my, my next surgery to come along. I mean, we knew it wasn't done. We knew that the infection had not been cured. So we were just waiting for the string of events to happen between surgeries. And, uh, and sure enough, it just kept coming back. And since Christmas of 2018, I've had four surgeries from Christmas to the end of February. 
for all of the same thing, where infection was out of control and my leg was draining with infection. Um, horrible, horrible situation. Uh, very painful, very depressing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you start losing uh, your will to do a lot of stuff. And then at the end of February, my doctor said, well, you have two options. Either keep coming back every couple of months for more surgery because the infection is not has not been killed and there are no medications, no antibiotics, no surgical procedures that are going to cure it. So I'm basically going to be coming back for surgery every, two, every couple of months or we'll amputate your leg at the hip. Well, neither of those options sounded all that great. Of course. I mean, who am I? I'm 62 years old. I don't want to be bound to a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Who would want that? So um, Mayo Clinic, which is my, are my primary physicians, I, we belong to the Mayo Clinic Health System and Mayo Clinic Rochester, Minnesota, had the idea of submitting me to a study at the UC Davis, California campus who were doing phage clinical trials on infections in the joints which is exactly what I wanted. But because I had more than one bacteria identified after surgery, they were not going to take me out because they were only dealing with one strain of bacteria at a time. They couldn't handle three. Well, as it turns out, we've only treated one in the long run. But at the time, it was like no-go from UC Davis. So my decision was, well, um, start shopping for wheelchairs. And my wife and I... Uh, kind of gave up on the hope of saving my leg. And we knew it was going to come, and we just didn't know when. But the physician would basically said, when you're ready to have it done, you'll let us know. We're not going to tell you. No doctor can do that. So, I mean, I, I, I got <laughs> fairly depressed. Um, everything that I love to do would be, most of it be, would be taken away. Even just walking my dogs down the down the road, and my I live out in the country in Minnesota, and just walking my dogs down the road would have been a pleasure as I get older. But take that away, and I'm not so sure um, how happy uh, my life would be. So, but we resigned to the fact this is going to happen, and we got a really depressive part about it. They said, "Well, it's time to move on." And about that time, my sister-in-law Susie, living in Chicago had torn an ACL playing tennis. And while she had time on the couch, she called me up and she said, let's not give up on this leg quite yet. And she just wouldn't quit, even when I wanted to quit myself. So she inspired me. We got back up. She and I back and forth were texting and, and messaging back and forth. And we, we tried to hit every place in the United States that had any indication on the internet that they had either done or are doing phage research or phage clinical trials. I came up empty on all my attempts to contact everybody around the country. And then all of a sudden, um, I, I fill out this form for this company in Maryland called Adaptive Phage Therapeutics in Gaithersburg. And within minutes, I, was, I, I had a reply from a Dr. Mike Brownstein. And he goes, geez, I'm really sorry about your infection, but there's you know, there's really nothing we can do. We're preparing for clinical trials. It's expensive. It's time-consuming. We really can't do it. But I'll talk to your doctors if they write me. Well, I'm not a salesman, but I know what a foot in the door is. Absolutely. <laughs> so 
So indeed, uh, we got a hold of my docs at Mayo, and they they talked to Dr. Brownstein, who went to Greg Merrill, and uh, who is the CEO of of ADP or APT. And through a lot of exchanges back and forth with my wife, uh, who is actually a nurse at Mayo, and mine, and we just saw a lot of different contact with. It finally happened that they agreed that they would provide the phages if my doctors would administer them in the hospital. Well, that all that all came to be. I mean, it's just unbelievably the needle in the haystack came to me. So I started my therapy on June 14th. I was done two months later in August, and I have had no sign of infection. I got all the mobility back in my leg that was gone. I was almost straight leg. I mean, I could just I could hobble around, but I couldn't bend my leg for for a very very long time. I have a more than ninety degree bend now that I didn't have before, and it was predicted I would never have. I have all that back. I feel healthy. I feel like a young man again. And phages are definitely the answer to antibiotic resistance, a hundred percent of the time. I read cases from all over the world, and I've not found one. Nor has my physician, Dr. Gina Sa, had been made aware of any of these phage treatments that have failed anywhere. So when the antibiotics um, are no longer effective, no surgical procedures are effective, I think and I know from my case and the cases around the world that phages are effective and they can save lives and save limbs. It's happened over and over and over again, and it's, and it's going to be this going to be the therapy of the future because antibiotic resistance is growing exponentially throughout the world. What used to be cured commonly with, with antibiotics are now finding there's a great deal of resistance with many, many patients. And what's really strange is that the national, well, not strange, but the National Institutes of Health estimate that nearly 100 people die every day from antibiotic-resistant bacteria that really no longer needs to have people die from that. If, if a phages become available through a speedy process with the FDA, almost all of these life, like you, you can never say everything or every or none, but every case that I am know of, the phages have worked. And we can admit, let's, let's just say only 90 people out of 100 were saved with phages. I think that's fairly a fairly significant number. Um, I just know that they're effective, and I've, I've done a lot of reading, a lot of research. I'm not a doctor. I'm just, I'm just a guy up on a farm, but I've done my research, and I know the case, in my case, um, that, this is one, that the efficacy of phages is real. It's the way of the future, and I think more, pa- more patients should be aware that they need to ask their doctors to pursue this avenue. It's available. Wow, John, that is such a powerful story. I mean, the fact that there was a possibility that they were going to amputate your leg and which would significantly impact the quality of your life. And you even mentioned that you're depressed. And so there's the mental aspect of these kind of clinical decisions. And it's it's such a, a, a miracle that you're able to connect with Dr. Michael Brownstein, who we mutually know as a friend and who's a, 
a, a well-known doctor, a scientist, and an entrepreneur developing these op, um, treatment options for various different disorders. And so I'm just so glad that you were able to connect. And I'd love for you to maybe share more about, you know, what was it that, like, through your experience here, um, that you think that we could spread the message that there are these other opportunities or other types of treatment options for people who are trying to seek help and that they don't know how to. I think a lot of um, the issue here, which is a public health issue, is that people don't know what they don't know. And so you were able to connect with someone um, through a Google search, it seems like, but you know, could have been, could, what, what would have helped you effectively for someone else that maybe in your similar shoes that you could share? Well, it's, this, this therapy is, is 100 years old. I mean, they, doctors don't really think about it because it might have been taught in high school briefly in their biology class. It's not something that has a ton of data yet behind it to, to allow physicians to take a serious look at it. Even my, even my surgeon at Mayo, who is extraordinarily talented and, and a very important man, doesn't quite get the whole phage thing. It's not part of what his protocol is. It's not been proven. There aren't enough numbers, and the FDA has not approved it yet for use. So a lot of physicians are skeptical. A lot of physicians aren't even aware of it because it's such a little, it's such a thing of the past. You know, when they invented penicillin in the 1930s, I mean, penicillin, aspirin, the drugs were the way of the future, and absolutely they were. They showed so much promise. But unfortunately, over the years, generations, um, antibiotics have been used in many cases where they really probably shouldn't have been used. I mean, they were perhaps, you know, a lot of mothers were probably insisting that they have antibiotics for their kid's cold or for a fever or something that had nothing to do with bacteria. So doctors, to make their patients happy or through, through I mean, just lack of knowledge, were over-prescribing antibiotics, which has now put us in our situation where a lot of antibiotic-resistant bacteria is becoming commonplace, uh, where it wasn't 15, 20 years ago. I mean, I don't know how far back it goes, but we're currently facing that situation around the world today. So I, I think uh, that, that I think the most effective way for me to communicate to what I want to put out there is that patients should be aware that bacterial phages are available through their physician, any physician, through what's called compassionate use. They can apply with the FDA. I mean, it takes a lot of persistence and a lot of paperwork and a lot of internal review things going on in their healthcare system, but no one is any more special than I am. They just have to insist on to their physician that they look into this, and in a lot of cases, it's going to become available and normal and save lives. And because so few patients and so few physicians are talking about this, it's not in the news. I mean, I, I, I don't turn on uh, the national news and hear anything about this because it's not there yet. We're too early. But someone has to start with the grassroots effort and put the word out there and say, yes, we can save your life if we just become persistent. Get pain in the butt. Be, be, be an irritant to your doctor until he listens to you. And let him know that the possibilities are out there, and there are plenty of cases. As a matter of fact, um, a friend of mine named Stephanie Sprath-D wrote a book called The Perfect Predator, 
And it's a scientist's attempt to save her husband's life with phage therapy, and it worked. In just a, I mean, this, this, this man, Tom Patterson, was on his deathbed. I was going to lose a limb, which is really unfortunate and horrible. He was going to lose his life. He was two ticks to midnight before checking out. And, and then she put out a plea to Oliver. She's a uh, epidemiologist in, uh, at UC San Diego. And so she put up the call to all the physicians and all the doctors and people that she knew, and they responded. Um, Texas A&M, ADP, or APT, I'm sorry. A lot of people, a lot of different people responded and saved Tom's life when he was ready to die. And that even the physicians were like, did anybody tell Stephanie that her husband's going to die? And he didn't. And he's back to work. And, he's, and his life was saved rapidly. Within three days, or was it three or four days of getting his first phage, he came out of his coma and was, was able to look at his wife again. And um, his progress has been steady ever since. And he's just, it's the most magnificent case and a great book. It's a great read. I mean, but this is just the, the most prominent case of phage therapy is her book. But this is going to take guys like me, too. I'm not a physician. I'm not a, someone that the doctor's going to listen to. But I guarantee you the patients will listen to me. So that, maybe that's my avenue, is to get the word out and tell patients that you need to be in charge of your own health care, and you need to insist that this takes place. Because my doctors basically said, don't call me, we'll call you. This is Mayo Clinic. They had no options. They're not in the business of phage therapy. They did everything they could, the best health care in the world, and they were stymied. They had nowhere to go. Well, it just so happens that me and my family, we're kind of, we're kind of hard-headed. You know? We don't take no for an answer from anybody for anything if we don't like the outcome. We did something about it just like everybody else can do, and it turned out to be magic for us. And it was a miracle, and I mean, it was a test of faith. It was a test of uh, per- persistence. It took everything we had, every emotion we had um, to get through this. Uh, and I actually, when I started therapy, I didn't expect it to, to work. I mean, I've had, I've had 11 years of bad luck with medicine, 17 surgeries, nothing worked. They took my, I mean, I laid in bed for a year with no, with no bones or no hardware in my leg because they took it out and filled my leg full of antibiotic cement. So I had to hobble around with a walker for a year almost with cement in my leg instead of, instead of a full leg. So I know exactly what it's like to suffer. I know what, I know what pain is all about. I felt, you know, the, the pain scale of 12 on a scale of 10. I know what it's like. I know the depression. I know the will of, to get back up. And it takes, it takes a, lot of, a lot of bouncing back and a lot of willpower to survive a thing like this. But I did. And I think that the reason is and why I was chosen to be the one patient at Mayo who gets this therapy is that I can speak about it. And I want others to avoid the 11 years of infections and pain and all that goes with it. If I can be one voice to save one life, my job is done. But I don't think it's going to be one. I think it's going to be a thousand or maybe even 10,000. I'm not going to quit until my word gets out there. You have such powerful words, John. I mean, it's just the story and 
your journey that you're sharing here with us just showcase the need for patient advocacy that patients themselves sometimes need to have a louder voice than their doctors, it seems like. Um, well, yeah. That's, that's absolutely the case. Um, every, not everybody knows that they're really in charge of their health care. Your physician is not. <laughs> your physician provides a service. We as a consumer, we are in charge of our own bodies and our, our own health care. If you don't like an answer that a doctor is giving you, that's not the, that's not always it's not always the answer. I mean, it's not always the truth. It might be the truth as your physician knows it, but physicians have limited time to study new to, to study new therapies. And I mean, they're so busy. I mean, I know lots of physicians are friends of mine. Their caseloads are so much that they're not running home and looking into the research and what's going on in the world. They just are overwhelmed and tired. And they have families, and they have kids, and they have and they have got other things to do besides exploring unproven, unapproved FDA therapies that might save someone. It's not their job to do that. It's our job now as patients to bring information to the doctors, and then they can either debunk it or look into it. But any patient who's willing to give up and say it's too much work, or it's uh, I just she's the doctor and I'm not. It doesn't matter. Anybody. I'm a, I'm a chef. I, we raise chickens now. I'm retired. I'm nobody. I'm, I don't have a degree in anything, but I do have a degree in sticking to it and making something happen. And everybody has exactly the same power, and they just need to exercise it for their own benefit and for, own, for their own welfare. I mean, I, it's, and it's not just phage therapy, but that's all I really have qualification of talking about is that because I know a lot about it. I know what the functions of phages are, how they work, how they attack bacteria. Um, I've done my homework, and I'm no more educated than anybody else. You just, ha you just have to take charge and decide that you're going to do this. Even if you lose, you've at least fought the fight. That's the way I looked at it in the first place. Even if I go after these phages and they kill me, which I didn't know if they would or not. Everybody's kind of, you know, I, the, the disclaimer I was given and, and the forms I had to sign say, you know, there's a chance that, that this will not be successful. Your life might be in danger. I was willing to take all of those risks to further the education of therapy. If I was going to die of something, perhaps they could use the information to treat the next person or maybe the person after that. But it had to be of some value. And then, and some people say to me, well, John, why don't you just be grateful and move on? I mean, what's the big deal? And I think that if I have information that could save someone, like, like I wonder about who would I be if I knew that I had a brand new therapy that people are just now kind of rediscovering and I kept it to myself and my neighbor died from the same thing I did and didn't tell anybody, what kind of person would I be? I think I've got a moral um, because of my faith, I think I've got a mission to do this. Um, I don't always have a, a great platform. I, I mean, it's so new that even even the, my doctor's paper will be published soon, along with a video from Mayo Clinic promoting my therapy at Mayo, but it's not out yet. So it's maybe it's a little bit early for me to start speaking, but I think with the publication in the Star Tribune coming out any day now, and this blog will start the ball rolling somewhere. Someone will listen to it and someone will think it matters and someone will save their own families or someone, some loved one's life by listening to this. 
And I think when that happens, no one will know me. I mean, I won't take, I won't get any credit. You won't get any credit, but hopefully it plants a seed in somebody's mind that makes them say, Hey, he did it. I think we should do it too. Let's save grandma's life or our kid's life. Um, I mean, people of all ages are dying from these bacterial infections. Uh, there was just a, a young man on the CBS Morning News, uh, Trey Sutter, I believe his name was, 17, 18-year-old kid who got a little cut on his foot and it festered and became antibiotic-resistant, and he died from that. Well, maybe if his physician had known about bacterial phages, uh, they could have been utilized, and maybe he'd be back at um, playing on the sports teams again. But he's not. He's already passed. It's too late for him. I don't want to be too late for others. Uh, I don't want. I want to be responsible for planting a seed that saves someone's life. Because every life is a family, and a family are friends. I mean, who knows how many people are impacted by each one hundred of these deaths per day? I mean, fifty, a hundred around these people. I mean, you know, it's 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 huge. And we have the best healthcare in the United States. Imagine how horrible this will be in an undeveloped country, not in Western Europe and not in the United States where we have refined medicines, but so many people are dying that don't need to. I just can't even imagine the effectiveness of these phages when they become commonplace. It's going to change the world. It's going to save the world from what is currently unsavable. Bacteria is winning, but it doesn't have to, and not anymore. Um, we have an answer, and, and bacterial phages is the answer. John, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more about your experience during the phase treatment, because that might be something to help demystify what it is. And because you know, with anti with the antibiotics, it's a pill; it's easy to take. People can see it, and so maybe you could um, yeah. share what that is and how it may differ from different types of uh, application, different places, how it's being used. I'd love to hear since you've done the research in it. Sure, uh, worldwide. Only in Western Europe and the United States are bacterial phages purified enough to give by IV. There's a clinic in the Republic of Georgia, the Eliaba Clinic, in, in I don't know the full name of it. I can't think of it right now. But if the Eliaba Clinic in the Republic of Georgia in Tbilisi is currently the center for all phage therapy um, that is not refined like it is in the United States. They take these, they take these phages uh, topically and they drink uh, the phages. Um, I don't know the effectiveness versus IV. I did get mine by IV, which is I would go in every day, uh, Monday to Friday, only because it was done in the research department at Mayo and they're not open on the weekends. So I'd go Monday through Friday. And instead of having um, a pick line, which is a line uh, that's kind of external that runs to your heart, I decided to get an IV um, just my arm every single day because I had so much problem with tape um, and with the pick line that it, that I started getting a lot of irritants. I'm almost almost allergic to everything, <laughs> all the tapes, all the medicines. Now I'm just about allergic to everything. So I decided my view is the best way to go. So I'd go in, and it takes a, about a half an hour to infuse um, to infuse the the phages. They come frozen in a little vial. And because they have such a short shelf life, they had to wait until I was in the hospitals, laying in a bed with an IV established before the pharmacy would uh, dilute the phages in 50 milliliters of saline. And then they would walk it up to my, to my room, 
the nurse would take it in, and then it only takes about a half an hour to infuse. And so it was quick. Um, I lived near near La Crosse, Wisconsin, so you know it was like you know an hour and a half drive each way uh, <laughs> for for eight weeks. But I, I tell you what, I would have I would have driven across water and ch- to China for the same thing. I mean, I was just so thrilled to get this therapy, and especially because I started my therapy on Friday. So it was Saturday and Sunday off. I went back on Monday, and on Tuesday morning, but just four days later, we took a picture of the before and after of my leg, and it was remarkable, the change already in just a few days by infusing the first doses of phages. It was just, it was fast. It was effective. I felt, I felt um, my leg loosening up. I mean, my, my doctor, my physician... A surgeon told me that inside my my leg is just kind of all woody and 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 thick, and he, he said you're never going to be able to bend this, this bend this leg again. He said if you get 20, 25, 30 percent bend, um, you'd be doing really, really well. Well, as it turned out, these phages reversed all that woodiness in my leg. All of a sudden, I started walking. And I mean, I started bending my leg and, you know, there's nothing like putting your feet on the floor when you're sitting at a restaurant. I mean, it's a big deal when you've always had to prop your leg up on a chair and kind of sit side saddle so you could, because <laughs> you couldn't bend your leg. Well, I'll tell you what, driving, um, putting your foot on the floor, being able to put on your shoes and socks without having to go through so much strain. I mean, it's little things that are just like huge now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm still marveled by, by the results that I didn't know were going to happen. Um, and I can't, I can't guarantee anything for anybody except what I saw in my case. And my case was 100% effective. It turned back the clock on my life. You know, I used to tell my wife, you know, I've had so much problems, you know, so many problems with medicine and, and healthcare. I said, you know, I'm going to be dead in five years. I don't say that anymore. Now, now I can envision myself walking down my country road with my dogs uh, as an old man, where I never could before. I'm doing little things, walking, going up steps, right? driving my tractor. I mean, driving my car. Little things that everybody takes for granted these days. I haven't been able to do effectively in years, but I'm doing them now. And I didn't think this would be the result of the therapy, but by God, it is. And I'm so thankful. You know, I'm a man of faith. I believe in God, and I believe that there was divine intervention and divine providence in getting me this therapy. And I often wonder why me. You know, why was I the chosen one to get this? I mean, so many, so few people in the country know about this or getting the therapy that I wonder why I was in the right place at the right time at the best healthcare facility in the world. And Dr. Br- and, and, and Dr. Brownstein uh, answered my plea. I mean, what's the chance of all that happening? And having the right position, Dr. Gina Saw, S-U-H, was just hired from Stanford Medical to work at Mayo with the thought that someday she would probably start the phage therapy um, process at Mayo Clinic. She was kind of brought on with part of that as, as, her, as her goal. Well, I showed up. <laughs> I showed up with phages in my hand. I mean, Mayo didn't find these phages. I did. And I presented it to my doctors and said, will you do it? Well, they were kind of like, uh, 
you know, they hadn't really thought about it because no one expected that ever in the world to happen, but it did. And they agreed. They agreed. It was like, well, this is perfect. Dr. Brownstein and um, Adaptive Phage Therapeutics uh, Therapeutics have all the credentials that Mayo likes. NIH experience. I mean, Dr. Brownstein, you know, and Carl Merrill, the founder of the whole thing. I mean, my God, these guys are geniuses. Um, So they had the right stuff going in. And um, um, Adaptive Phage Therapeutics also partners with a thing called the BDRD Lab. It's a biological defense research directorate out of uh, out of the U.S. Navy. The Navy and the Army both had huge libraries of these pages. So although I went to a, uh, 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 Dr. Brownstein, they tried to match them up with what they had in their library at Adaptive Phage Therapeutics, and they didn't have a match for it. So they enlisted the help of the BDRD lab, and they were able to match it up. Um, and there's a collaboration between the Navy's uh, libraries and, and, and Dr. Brownstein. Uh, it's a good relationship. So it's through those guys, all these people working on my behalf, and, and the FDA saying, okie doke, you know, basically, let's go for it. And my doctors at Mayo, I mean, the timing and all the, the things that had to fall into place at just the right time, they came about. And I'm telling you, my leg was ready for the next surgery. My wife was so concerned. She's basically telling my doctors, hurry up, because John's, John's leg is looking angry again. Very, very bad. And so it just uh, it just all happened for me at just the right time, at just the right place, with just the right people. And I couldn't be more thankful for this opportunity to speak to you to let others know that this they can do the exact same thing I did. There's no there's no reason not to. You gotta fight for it. But it's worth the fight. People who are in your life, like you said, like the timing, the connections and just the effort that everyone put together is so instrumental that it had to be driven by a higher force like god watching over this whole array and and that's the that's the thing like a lot of things that happens in life like you don't know who's behind the scene but you know he was orchestrating all these things happening and that it just played so perfectly in this story that you're sharing john is just such a magical and and such a great story to show that you know you know, if, if someone is in a situation and in, if they're in a situation where um, the doctor presents um, options that may not be of, of desire to you, it's okay to question. And I'm so glad that you are sharing that it's okay to question those options and that you took the effort um, to look into this. And that on then because you took that path, like God then directed the path toward all these other peoples and all these different outlets to make this work for you. And so it's just such a powerful story to show, to have faith in the system, in the whole process. Well, healthcare is changing. Uh, A person I met with who's who's a director of medical research uh, for the media told me that even at the highest levels of the Mayo Clinic, I mean, the CEO, director, everybody knows, everybody knows that healthcare is changing. It's no longer, and this is her exact same quote, the exact quote he gave me. He says, it's no longer the doctor will see you now. It's becoming the patient will see the doctor now. We are educated. We have access to, to the internet. We have access to lots of different uh, material that we should never go to our doctors uneducated or unfamiliar 
with our situation or once it's diagnosed, do your research, do, do your due diligence and, and get out and educate yourself and learn what's available. And your doctor might be, might have one foot in retirement and has no intention of going crazy with this research stuff. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen for your healthcare system, or maybe you have the wrong doctor. You know, maybe you need someone who will listen to you, but don't quit. Get a second opinion. Talk to people. Do something. Do something for yourself. Just don't give up the fight, especially if you know that there's a possibility of saving your life or saving your limb or anybody that's around you or your loved ones. Fight for them. Um, my sister-in-law fought for me, and she's the one who inspired me. I gave up. I was done. But it takes that one, maybe just that one person with that little bit of an idea, a spark, a little motivation, a little bit of love to say, let's just go one step further and don't stop until you either win or lose, but at least you fought the fight. I think it's important to do that. So, John, um, one question I think um, some of our audience may be curious about is like, the cost of this, right? I mean, healthcare costs, as you said, has is changing, and just the role uh, where patients need to advocate for their um, for their options. But knowing that, like, how does that impact the cost? And I was just curious, like, how did health insurance play a role or didn't play a role in your situation? And and what can you? Sh- share with patients out there or listeners, you know, who are oftentimes a little hesitant to ask for options or alternative because they are worried that it might cost more or insurance may not pay for it. And I don't want to rock the boat, what I have. Love to, if you can share um, what your thoughts are on that. Well, currently the FDA has not approved uh, bacterial stages for patient use. So uh, so APT could not charge me. They donated these phages to me and to Mayo Clinic. Um, I was charged for standard IV care, nursing care, the bed, that kind of stuff, which is, you know, who cares? I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nothing compared to the cost of saving. I mean, what's the cost of, of is there value on your life? And I actually question, it's like, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, can I swing it? Well, it won't be that much. I think insurance will 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 be happy to approve this with time. Um, I heard from Dr. Brownstein, and we discussed it at length that maybe bacteriophages aren't the only answer, but maybe combined with antibiotics at the first onset of a bacterial infection, surgery, antibiotics, and phages at the same time will end it. That it won't be able to reoccur. I mean, uh, the, bac- the, the bacteria will die. It doesn't have a choice. The little viruses that get in there by the trillions, and they don't give up. Um, what their actual function is, um, a phage is made of a capsid, which is the head of the, of the, of the little, of the, of the virus, and a tail. And it has six legs. And when the, when the virus finds the bacteria, it attaches itself to the bacteria not just one, it could be many, and they inject their DNA into the bacteria, and the bacteria basically acts as an incubator. And as the little bacteria, the little viruses grow inside the bacteria, they lyse the cell, they burst the cell open, killing the bacteria, and all the little phages now run off to do the exact same thing that they were born to do. And these, and these, and these, and these viruses, these phages only have one function, where an antibiotic will kill healthy cells, 
the bacteriophages only are programmed to go after whatever the one bacteria that they're programmed to do. They're not programmed, but they're dedicated to only one thing in life. You can't program and tell it what to do. It has to be found in nature and then matched up in a Petri dish so that the virus doesn't and doesn't be kill the bacteria. It's tested long before it ever gets um, infused in your body. But, uh, I forgot where I was going with this. But yeah, but I don't know. I don't know what the cost is going to be. No one can really calculate that yet because we're not there. It's too early. But I don't think, I think I would be willing to invest whatever it takes to save my life and save the life of my family. I have a wife and, and two kids and two dogs and they all need me. I mean, what's the cost? What's the value of my life? Um, I think I would do whatever I could in any way I could to make sure I was still around for them, if not just myself. I mean, not thinking selfishly, but thinking about them too. I mean, I would highly impact um, my wife and, and all my kids and everything around me. I just, I don't know what kind of value you place on that. I think I would do everything, every last straw, every last dollar. I would sell my house. I would mortgage everything I had to save my life because nothing else matters but life itself. So if you have to give, give up some stuff or give up your savings or do whatever you have to do, I think it's worth it. You can always, you can always get all that stuff back and you can always, um, you will always live. Um, you know, I, I just, I just don't have to give up thing in me too much anymore where I was willing to give up in the past. I'm now convinced that you should never give up ever, ever, ever. Just keep fighting until your last, last breath, just keep fighting. And sometimes you'll win and sometimes you'll lose. But I think that is worth it and worth every effort and every dollar to, to impact those around you, if not yourself. Yes, John, I agree that it is very hard to put a dollar to a life, the quality of life. Um, and what you just show, what you just share illustrates that we should think about, you know, what the impact we are making rather than thinking about the money we're making. And oftentimes that, you know, our decisions are maybe driven with a financial mindset. It's like, how much is it going to cost? Is that, you know, is to, is to put that aside and be an advocate for your own health and, and share that information with your doctor. And what you brought up was that in your case that you had a doctor that was open-minded to explore these new therapy and you know patients out there listeners like if you have a doctor who's you know maybe not as open-minded it is okay to go to another doctor and because this is your life right who else is going to advocate for your life besides you and or or your loved one and in your case you had um, a family member who didn't give up on you and which then encouraged you to say hey we're let's fight together and i also think that you know um patients out there who may be alone may not have another person there are a lot of patient advocacy groups there that you can connect to and i was wondering john um during your experience were you able to connect with other patients or to help advocate for phage therapy like now moving forward yes actually one one of the first people I connected with was Dr. Stephanie Strafty, who I mentioned before, wrote the book called The Perfect Predator. Um, it's a great medical drama, but it just happens to be true. I actually connected with her on Facebook. I contacted her because she was, she was promoting her book, and I introduced myself um, on Facebook to her. 
and we've become very good, actually pretty good friends. And I, we actually met in Minneapolis uh, in October and we shared the stage together at a thing called the Minova Health Global Health Initiative or Global Global Health Conference. And we shared, she gave me five minutes of her 20 minutes to come on stage with her and talk about my therapy when her real reason to be there was talking about her husband and her husband's therapy and her book. But we became fast friends, and now I'm part of this thing called the Phage Page on Facebook. It's a group that most anybody can join. But if you want to learn the, you know, the, the latest research on what's going on with phages, it doesn't always have to do with the human body. They're talking about phages for, for, for chicken feed, um, uh, for, 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 for beef, for cattle. Instead of injecting everything with antibiotics, um, maybe treat with phage water. Um, there are lots of things. Crop water. They're going to spray crops for with with phage induced water for. I mean, so we don't have to use so many chemicals in the world. I mean, these chemicals are. I mean, God, no, we we got to know they're they're killing us. <laughs> I don't know how much more evidence we need, but look around the world, and I think that if we turn back to what nature provides, what God has provided us, all we have to do is discover it. And these phages are all natural. They're not cooked up in a laboratory. They, mine actually came from a sewage plant, you know, a sewage treatment plant. And there are people out there called phage hunters. They go out and look for this bacteria. And then they they bring it back in and they purify it and they test it against, you know, the virus. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the, the phage hunters are hunting viruses, not bacteria. They, they go out and they find these viruses in nature, in seawater, in sewage treatment plants, swamps. You name it, places that are, are kind of stinky and and not all that hospitable to humans, but that's where that's where everything flourishes in that kind of environment. Um, and they bring them back to the lab, and they have now huge libraries of these of these viruses just ready to go for bacteria. Um, the Navy has them, and the Army has them in case we're ever attacked in the United States by a bioweapon. Um, I think we're prepared, and we can amplify these phages. Um, to cure a lot of people uh, in case there's ever uh, a bioweapon or those kinds of things. Or if we just have a, another plague, I think that the, uh, the phage libraries will be able to take care of most of the situations. So, yeah, I mean, the future is wide open. The research has just now become uh, robust um, across the world. And if you get onto the phage page on the internet or on the Facebook, you can see that there are people from all over the world working in this. I have friends now from, Nepal, from India, from Norway, um, England, all of the United States, um, and they're and they're openly sharing their research because there there truly are no barriers with the scientists, um, color, creed, uh, national origin. Nobody cares. Um, this the science world really has it all together, but really wanting to help humanity. And I'm proud to be a reader of that. And I've shared my stories with those people, and they're very much enthused by my story and others who have had success with phages. Um, so I think there's a, there's a great, great future for this. Um, it's early on, very, very, very early. Um, but perhaps someday it'll become, with patience and assistance, it'll become normal faster. Because if, when patients start driving the doctors to do what the patient knows works, it's going to change the world of medicine. And it's already happening. So, John, um, if you can share those links 
um, and maybe repeat the groups um, to our audience. That'd be great. So you mentioned there was a Facebook group and there's another group and also the author of the book. So if you want to just share those um, with the audience. I'd be happy to. Uh, the book is called The Perfect Predator. I've read it. My wife has read it. My friends have read it. It's a it's a wonderful book to read. I'm I don't I don't I don't always read fast, but I couldn't put this I couldn't put this book down. It's amazing, and there are so many parallels with the way that her husband was treated with bacteriophages when he was on death's door. I mean, it was just amazing his recovery and the rapidness and the full recovery of everything that he was. I mean, his whole body was septic, and these phages brought him back. He had what's called a rocky back or a, or a super bug in his gut, um, and which is way different from what I had. I had just a limb that was just about, about ready to give up, but his whole body was giving up, and, and these stages work on him. Yeah, Dr. Stephanie Strafty is part of UC San Diego, and they have an organization called IPATH, I-P-A-T-H, that will help refer you to where you can find phages throughout the world um, Stephanie is very open um, to, to getting calls at IPATH, UC San Diego. And then there's also the Facebook group that I like to, 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 to get onto. It's called the Phage Pages. Phage is P-H-A-G-E, the Phage Page. And there you will find a lot of papers that are being published and a lot of research from different groups around the world who are working on different aspects of phage therapy, not just for humans, but for animals, crops, um, well, you name it. I mean, this is going to be a wide open thing. Uh, this is this is this is the, the the state of medicine down the road, but it's happening right now. The research, the cutting edge research, is going on right now, and the people that are in it right now are going to be the pioneers of saving the world from ourselves and from our chemicals and from our laboratories of cooking up um, new new chemicals and new. There, there are no new antibiotics coming on the pike. I and mean, there really aren't any. So instead of instead of choosing death, we we can choose life, and nature is providing us with that life. And I'm happy to be a spokesperson for it. I will advocate for anybody that needs um, a little encouragement or a helping hand. I'll I'll, I'll send people where I can. What I know, um, I'll be happy to share. And my story, I'll be happy to share to anybody. And and maybe you just have to put a little faith in yourself and those around you to, to make something happen. You know, it's it's difficult. It might be expensive. It's not easy to get, but the results are phenomenal. And from all the stories and the cases that I know of, it's 100% effective against antibiotic-resistant bacteria. That's what I know for sure. Um, thank you, John, uh, for sharing your story. If listeners would like to um, connect with you, what's the best way to do so? I have an email address. That my personal email address is chefjmh, C-H-E-F-J-M-H-5-7 at gmail.com. I don't have a blog. I don't have any vested interest with any company. I'm just a patient, and I'm willing to do this um, it's kind of a pro, a pro bono thing. I mean, I, I don't have any financial reason to promote anybody or anything. I'm just a patient that's grateful and I'm happy to share it. And if you would like to share the um, company that provided the phase information, that would be great too. Yes, Adaptive Phage Therapeutics 
I don't have their address or phone number, but they are in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And the chief medical officer is Dr. Mike Brownstein. And the CEO is Greg Merrill. And I know that they're, I mean, I don't know what they can do for every patient that, that makes a request, but I think it's worth the time. And maybe perhaps they can guide you to others um, that might be able to help. So, John, um, any final advice or word of encouragement for listeners here? Oh, my gosh. Never, ever, ever give up. Uh, I mean, a lot of us aren't going to win the battle, and that's too bad. I know that right now 100 people per day die from the same bacteria that I had in my leg um, or similar bacteria. I mean, there are superbugs out there that they just – they're resistant to everything. And your doctor will go through all of the protocols, all of the antibiotics. And when nothing else works, this is the only answer that anybody has in the world for when antibiotics stop working. There's no new drug. There's no new therapy except this that is out there. And you have to, you have to fight for it because it's not going to be given. It's not going to be offered to you. You have to insist on it and then keep fighting for it. And just perhaps, just like me, that your limb or your life can be saved. It's not effective against everything, only bacteria. Only the viruses are effective against bacteria. If you have anything else that's not bacteria-related, the phages won't help. It's not, that's not what the purpose is. This only fights against bacteria. But if you have anything involving uh, that, I mean, rest, there are some respiratory things um, with bacteria. I mean, there's there's... I don't even, I mean, I'm not a physician. I don't know all of the options, but I know some. And if bacteria is involved and it's resistant against all the medications that you, that your doctor can prescribe, then bacterial phages are the only option you have. And, but you have to fight for it right now. Until they become common, you have to fight, but it's worth the fight. And it's worth the fight because we have John and Stephanie and all the other members in the Facebook group and probably around the world who may have their own advocacy groups that are willing to fight with you. So even though you may be alone out there considering other, other options um, is to reach out to all these different resources that are people who will advocate for you. And so we're so yep. glad that you're here, John, with us and that you're in, um, they're able to share your story and that we can also spread the message to anyone out there that you are the sole um, caregiver of your own life, that you need to advocate for that. Absolutely. And it's a pleasure to uh, have the time, but uh, well, thank you for contacting me and, and just giving me this time and, and this chance to make a difference um, is huge. And I do appreciate um, this opportunity. Hello, friends. I hope you are amazed as I am about John's story of hope, faith, and miracle. Antibiotic resistance is a serious public health issue. The question remains, how do we get here? Like, why didn't the antibiotic drugs work for him? Well, the causes of antibiotic resistance have been linked to several issues. There's the overprescription in antibiotics. Patients are not finishing the course of the antibiotics. I mean, a lot of patients, after their first few days of taking antibiotics, they feel a little bit better, and then they forget about taking it, or they decide that, oh, I'm feeling better, I'm going to continue taking these pills. While the doctor specifically said, finish the entire course of the antibiotic treatment. You're just using a week. Even if you're feeling better, continue taking antibiotics. 
that is something that you can do to contribute to, to fixing the antibiotic resistant issue right now. The overuse of antibiotics in livestock and in farming. Poor infection control in healthcare setting. Just generally poor hygiene. And last is the absence of new antibiotics being discovered. Until we can figure out the solution, explore options with your doctor, especially if the antibiotics aren't working for you. And in John's story, remember he almost gave up his battle and his leg was about to be amputated until a family member told him to not give up. With that encouragement, John sought out experimental therapy through the use of compassionate use through his doctor that allowed him to take advantage of the phage therapy. If there's a will, there's a way. The light at the end of the tunnel can sometimes be very dim and at sometimes almost non-existent. We all been there. So be that light. Hold up that light and even a flashlight for someone and together you can see a miracle happen in the darkness. If you got questions about any of the episodes, feel free to reach out to me directly. And while you're there at it, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episode that you felt connected with so we could be a part of this collective invisible force called public health. Thanks.